with me then to the book of 2 Timothy. This is going to be interesting because we're going to minister on, I'm going to call it the end of days countdown. <laughs> we finally, after two and a half years, are going to teach on the end times. Somebody that I live with has been asking me to do it now for two and a half years. And uh, I called it the end of days countdown because it's, that's what Joe Morse does. Did y'all look at his broadcast today? I did not. But I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's powerful. And uh, we want to encourage everybody on broadcast to get on Joe Morris, josephmorris.com.org. What is it? That's what, that's how, that's the website? EDU? Well, how about that? EDU update. So you'll find it. Just keep on looking for it. I actually, I actually had my doctor ask me about it this last week. I was in there for that. Once, a, once in a blue moon checkup, and I was telling her about Jesus coming back, and then I told her about Joe, and I said, here's the website, and she wrote it down. Hallelujah. So uh, you may not get, since we're well-versed on this, you may not get anything uh, significant the first time or two, but we're going to go there. And what I want to do is give us an order, not so much for you, because the truth is, family, it doesn't matter. It's going to be like it is. You, you, don't, you don't like the rapture the way they teach it somewhere. It doesn't matter. It's going to happen like it's going to happen. <laughs> it, believing, believing or, or uh, getting mad at somebody that doesn't believe like you doesn't do anything for that. The rapture and, and all the white throne judgment, everything's going to happen like it's going to happen. But what we want to do is educate ourselves, apprise ourselves, so that when people that it seemingly has mattered to ask you about that, you, you can not say, I have no idea. I'm a Christian. I don't have any idea how this is going down. And we can change that with the word. So chapter, uh, chapter 2 of 2 Timothy Let's look in uh, the last, let's look in verse 25. We, we never look at this. We always go straight to chapter 3, but let's look in verse 25 of chapter 2. It says, uh, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. So he's, he's coming in here. This is one verse where he's talking about people that want to fuss. They want to fuss. Y'all know any of those people that have wanted to fuss? They want to fuss. They want to be right. They want to have a superior doctrine. They want to know more than you know. They want to exalt what, what little tidbit in the Hebrew and the Greek and the Syrophoenician and the, and, uh, the Abadaba. You know, they want, to, they want to show you something that you don't know so they can appear to be spiritual. But he said, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves... You know the gospel's so simple. It's just so simple. That's what makes it so wonderful. It's so simple. Anybody can get born again with this gospel that we... And anybody can undo any kind of mysterious thing or any problem or situation. It's so simple. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. How about that? How about that? People that oppose themselves, the devil just snares them. He just throws a hook out and says, watch this to his little demons. Watch me catch one of those Christians. This is a lake full of Christians that oppose themselves and they'll all bite. They'll all get on the hook. Hallelujah. Uh, the, the New Living Translation says, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. And so I want to say this up front the first night, the first uh, few minutes of the first night. We're not here to debate. We're not here to be right. Knowledge puffeth up. We're not here to say, I learned something that you don't know. And watch this when I tell you, it'll just blow you away. We're just not those people. 
we, we, we know what we know in humility and in meekness. And we just are glad to share it, but we're not going to fight with anybody. I want to remind y'all what the word says in James says that where there's strife, where there's strife, there's confusion in every evil work. It's the most terrible thing you can have in your life practically is to have confusion and every evil work. And that comes from the, the so easy to get into of strife. So we don't want to get in strife with unbelievers or, or religious people or anything like that. So uh, the purpose for us learning the end times, and we're going to go several weeks. We're going to dig it out. But we're not going to we're not going to we're not going to dig it out. I said that we're not going to dig it out. We're going to give an overview of everything. We're going to know how it works and we're going to know why it works. Because I tell you, I'm impressed at how the Lord, how he works things out. So that it all turns out amazing. Yeah, it just is like, how did he do that? On the surface, it's like he just did this and he just did that and he just decided he flipped his lucky coin up in heaven or whatever and it came out, you know, whatever it came out. And so he said, I'll go that way. But everything works perfectly. Everything works legally. Everything works according to principle. Everything works according to the principles laid down before the foundation of the world. And so it's not happenstance. It's not coincidence. It's not just something that we, we look at and see how he did it. It all works. And once you figure out how it works, you can figure out how it's going to work. And so it becomes a tool in your hand and you can do anything. You can have anything. So our purpose is not to navigate the end days. We are born again and we don't have to know anything. Now, y'all, we don't have to know anything about the end days. Uh, like Joe says, it's, it's to get a hustle mentality to know about it, to know the time is short and it is short. It gives you a hustle mentality. But the truth is, if you didn't have a hustle mentality, you might just get a hustle mentality without knowing it. But it is good to know, like I said, so that we're going to have answers for the lost, have answers for the backslid, have answers for the religious. And y'all, that's a whole bunch of folks. <laughs> so if you just say Jesus is coming, when you pay out at the cashier or when you buy, a, when you do anything, just say Jesus is coming. Some of them will blow up. Some of them will blow out. Some of them will say, I want to talk about that. And there you are. You're armed with enough that you can help them. But there is no debate. We are not debating this. We do not go leave this place to debate. We're not armed with anything except the good news that Jesus died for you and you can be free indeed. There's only good news. There's only good news. Let's say it. There's only good news. So we wouldn't debate about good news, how, how we think it might go and everything. I have, I have my distinct beliefs based on the word of God. Been looking at this a long time, just like you have. And so we, we're, we're not going to be moved easy. But on the other hand, let's be able to be moved easy. It doesn't matter who, who knows who the Antichrist is, who knows what the mark of the beast is, who knows uh, what the tattoo is on the Antichrist. I mean, who knows and who cares? We're not going there. Uh, let's go to Second Peter, chapter three, if you would. Second Peter, chapter three. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. I didn't get I didn't finish. Chapter three, verse one says this. Also, no, I said all that to say this in the last days, perilous times shall come. Well, I'd say if we weren't there, we're, we're, we're coming over the hill to that. Perilous times, perilous times. And then it goes through a long list. And if you read the list, you'll say, they're here. Hallelujah. Uh, now, Second Peter, excuse me. I, I got caught up. Second Peter, chapter three. Y'all just bear with me this first time tonight. Hallelujah. This second this epistle, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. I stir up your pure minds that ye may be mindful of the words that were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord Jesus. Knowing this first, knowing this first. First thing out of the chute is there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts 
and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they are willingly are ignorant of that, that by the word of God the heavens were of old. And then it goes on about the earth. So they're scoffers. So just because it's good news to us doesn't mean everybody's having good news. There's a lot of fear in people that aren't ready to go into eternity. They don't know what it is. They don't know how it's going to play. They're pretty sure it won't be good. Even good people are pretty sure. I told you all the story about it, uh, an 80-year-old man in my life, just a dear sir, and uh, 85 years old, and just one day, just wringing his hands, been a Christian since he was just a, a youngster, saying, I hope I've done enough. I hope I've done enough. Well, you know, if you got that on you, there's no place of consolation. And of course he was born again. He, he, yes. So uh, we know that uh, a third of the Bible, a third of the Bible is prophetic. It's prophecy. It's, it's all about wh wh where does, the, when you look at the map, you always have a destination and then you go where your, your origination is and you start plotting a plan. How are we going to get there? We're going to go up 459. We're going to go around to 20. How are we going to get there? Well, the, the, the destination is today. All this prophecy is not for a greater day where the, 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 the buildings, the, 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 the castles are going to come up out of the ground. It's to this day. Everything has pointed to this day that we're in, which makes it significant for us. Uh, verse 4 says, uh, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep... All things continue. All things continue. Isn't that the truth? It just life goes on. Uh, your grandparents thought that they were living in a significant day, that they thought when they saw Elvis and the Beatles, that the Antichrist was, you know, coming on the weekend or something, you know, and doggone, the pelvis didn't, didn't shake the world, and, and the Beatles' long hair became everybody's long hair. So, but at the time, they were all losing their minds, and so it'll always be... Uh, that way. But it's not the event of what we're in right now that matters. It's our response to it. In River Church, we, we need to respond right. And I th we have. We're, we're used to Joe Morris. Uh, Joe Morris came, he came to my church three times in Texas. If y'all just want to know how far we go back, 92, 91, 92, 94, something like that. And we left Texas in 96. But him and I go back a long ways. But he didn't always teach on end times back then. He taught on the gifts of the Spirit or uh, the goodness of God, the greatness of God, and things like that. But uh, we're, we're well acquainted with this. So I hesitate to even teach it as far as standing in the shadow of someone like that. But we're going we're gonna to go through some things that he doesn't get to. He never has enough time. Do y'all notice he never has enough time to get to anything? And so we're going to take a little time. Uh, verse, five, verse 5 says, For this they willingly are ignorant. Isn't that interesting? They are willingly ignorant. I thought stupid people were just stupid. But here they said they, they're not just ignorant. They are willing to be ignorant. Most people want to get smarter. They want to improve. They want to get on the other side of that dumb-dumb. But it says here they are willingly ignorant. The Amplified says, For they willingly overlook and forget this fact that the heavens came into existence long ago by the word of God. So they, they, they think that this thing is just for them. The world thinks that life is just for them, that it's just here and it's for them and, and they'll take what they want. 65% of the survey of Christians said, what is your what is the reason that you're on earth? Why does God have you here? What is the purpose of your life? And they said to enjoy God's creation every day. It might be more than that. It might be a little deeper than that. But most of the world just thinks today's the day. This is the only day. Uh, verse six, verse five, uh, verse six, where by the world that when was excuse me, whereby the world that when was being overflowed with water perished. 
but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of godly men. So y'all know the Lord said he wouldn't flood the world anymore, but there's a fire coming. But beloved, here we are. Be not ignorant. Don't forget this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Isn't that amazing that he would say that? A thousand years. How, how, how many days are in a thousand years? 365,000, I guess. That would be it. So uh, there, there's a lot there. Uh, uh, so we have 2,000 years. The creation was six days and then the Lord rested. And he says one day is a thousand years. So one day would be from Adam to Abraham. That'd be two days, wouldn't it? 2,000 years. And then you have 2,000 2, years to, uh, to Jesus. Two days. Then you have 2,000 years from, for the church, from Jesus to now. So there's 6,000 years or six days. And then the Bible says on the seventh day, he quit. He rested. He ceased from his action. And time's up. Time's up. It's, it's not even like, well, how about the times and what are people doing? Just take out your little calculator and you can figure the time's up. The, the now is the time. And uh, it's Sunday, so to speak. Let's go to verse uh, 17. Ye therefore, breath, beloved... So he said a lot of things about things that he would say, therefore. Seeing ye know these things before, beware. Always good to stop and look at what is after beware. Beware lest ye also being led away with the ear of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. Let's say that last word together steadfastness. Let's say it again. Steadfastness. So st steadfastness just means it's another word for being established. So he's warning us. He said, beware, even you that are steadfast, that are established. This damnable doctrine, this thing from hell, this, this lie that, that things have always been the same since the beginning. Why, we can chart 6,000 years and it's always been the same. He's not come. Therefore, we don't think he is going to come. And then they say, because there is nobody to come. It's all a sham. It's all a facade. It's all a fairy tale. There's nothing different happened. Therefore, there's nobody different coming. And he said, beware, even though you think that would be so terrible to believe and so out of your realm, he said, beware that... Uh, that you stay steadfast. Literally, the world has crept into the church. Y'all know this. The world, the only, the politics of the world, the values of the world. And right now, it's, it is so cunning and so crafty and so, so sheep, uh, wolf in a lamb's clothing that it looks so benign how the world has crept into the church all over our land. And we're all good with it. And all, a lot of people would say, why wouldn't I go there? And, uh, and literally say these churches like that, that are, that are demonstrators of that worldliness, are moving into my town and, and everybody in my church is emptying out to go over there because they're just fun. Well, I think we ought to have fun church, too. I like fun church, but I don't think we should give up anything for it. I think it should be the result of what we're already doing. Hallelujah. So uh, we remain steadfast, even though the world creeps into the church. Well, that means you got to make some people not happy sometimes when you say, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to have that. We're not going to be that. We're going to remain steadfast. We're going to stay on the word. It's like, but, but we think that'd be fun. Well, there's a lot of ways to have fun. But we have to be in the church. We have to be who we are. 
Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 46, if you would. Isaiah 46. This is the landmark scripture that we always go to. We just need to lay it down tonight. Isaiah 46. This is the thing that sets us apart. And if you watch the broadcast Sunday, was it Sunday or Saturday? Whenever Joe was in Birmingham, what? Friday. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Then, you know, he talked about this and he talked about this scripture. So I think we should. In verse nine of chapter 46 of Isaiah, he said, remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Wow, he's pretty assertive there, isn't he? He's pretty much standing his ground. Kind of like bring it. And then he explains verse 9. He said, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. The Passion Version had an interesting translation. It says, I declare from the beginning how it will end. I foretell from the start what has not yet happened. I decree that my purpose will stand and I will fulfill my every plan. So the thing, as you know, that makes our belief system different than any other faith, the Hindus, the Muslims, the the Buddhists, the Hare Krishnas, the, the Varashians, all of them, is they have no words written that foretell the future. They have nothing. Anybody could have wrote it. Anybody could have wrote it. And I can tell you, anybody did. There's demon spirits. If you ever see those pictures, go into a museum or, or somebody's house or something, and see these tremendously horrific pictures. Halloween has a bunch of them. Uh, where, yeah. And they're just like, that's so evil looking. How did someone do that? They actually visited. They actually had images of the demon world. And saw that. And then crafted that. Uh, it, it, yeah. If you've ever thought you saw a picture of an angel then people have seen pictures of demons. Uh, I declare from the beginning how it will end and foretell from the start what has not yet happened. Only the Lord does that, and the Bible is full of prophetic words. We did a study one time on how you can believe the word, and we went through a lot of those prophetic words, not even including necessarily the, uh, the foretelling and the prophetic word about the Lord Jesus being born, and how accurate that was, the city, the time, who was going to be reigning, the whole thing. But all the things, and there was, a, there was a part in there where the Bible talked about the Hittites. I remember this, and, and scholars were just having a field day saying, there are no Hittites. We've looked everywhere, and we found the Amorites and the Berezerites and the, and the Hittites and all that, and there's no Hittites in the world. And this thing proves that the word is not is is made up. And then lo and behold, some archaeologist fell into a pit and found the Hittites and it just sealed everything up. It's just perfect. The, the, the word is perfect archaeologically and historically where things are prophesied about things that will happen. And they've already happened. It, it happened on time. There's a lot out there that's yet. But everything that has been, or a lot of what has been, has already been consummated. So we have a lot of confidence in the word because of that. And we say, you know, that, okay, nobody's been to heaven. How do you know we're going to heaven? You know, how do you prove we're going to heaven? Well, there are people that have claimed that they did go to heaven and that the Lord sent them back. And they tell corresponding stories of their adventures and such. But uh, another way is to, to test the rest of the word that's natural. Test seed time and harvest. Test healing. There's a big old growth right there. There's a goiter right there. There's a, there's a whatever there. 
lay hands on the sick and they recover. It disappears just like the word says. And if you can validate the word that you can see and you can test, then you have to assume that you can also validate the word that you can't see and test, which would be the new birth and which would be heaven and such as that. You can't lose with the stuff we use. All we have to do is just surrender and just say, I give it up. I surrender my belief system to his belief system. What he says is supreme. And when you do that, it's a whole new day. It's rebellious to not surrender. What does he have to do to do it? Um, the day that we're living in, nobody would believe what's happening until they look at Noah. You know Noah, he, was, he, he went a long time preaching one message. And he had nobody, no takers until, I like that joke, Lynn told me a joke the other day. You need to be as excited as the third monkey going up the ramp. Okay, let me retell it. Yeah. The third monkey. There's just two going on the ark. And this is the third monkey. He, he's... Yeah, I, I, my goodness. But the, 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 Noah, the Bible says Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And that's what we, we, we have to be, a preacher of righteousness. Preachers of righteousness, what that means is they're steadfast. They're, gra they're grounded. They're rooted. Are you a preacher of righteousness? I want to tell you something. The most valuable thing on the planet, and there's lots of valuable things, but it's not the whales. And it's, it's not the snowshoe crab or whatever else they say. The, the most precious thing on the planet is a righteous preacher. And you know, we're not talking about behind the pulpit. We're talking about all of us. You're the most valuable commodity on the planet. And we were talking the other night. You need to know there's a target on you. Because with you, the devil is, he's out of business. So he's got to take you out. He's, a, he's got a hit, man. But we're not afraid. No weapon formed against us ever follows through. Amen. Uh, so as Joe has said, we'll say it. There's 300 prophecies that told about the first coming of Jesus. And there's 2,500 prophecies that have already been laid down about the second coming of Jesus. Eight times more about his second coming than about his first coming. And the first coming prophecies were exactly and everyone accurate and told the truth. Nailed it is what we say. And so there's just explicit and detailed prophecies about the Lord Jesus coming back. And actually, it's really exciting to study that out. Turn with me. Uh, well, let me just read these two because we've got run out of time. There's two don't be ignorant in the Bible, in the New Testament. Don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant of this and don't be ignorant of that. The two of them. The first one is in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ignorant does not mean stupid. Ignorant means you just don't know it. It's just not come across your your, your knowledge bank. But the second thing is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He said, but I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as those that have new hope, no hope. So there's two things. Don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts and don't be ignorant about the coming of the Lord. Here, the Lord says it's important to know. You may have an opinion about it. I don't want to, that stuff confuses me. I don't want to know if it's coming or going, if it's white throne, brown throne, green throne, whatever, whatever. We've got to stop. We know so much about stuff. We know recipes by memory. We know the, we know the, the, the torque on certain bolts in our equipment. Uh, we know what that is. We know lots. We need to pull off and know the things of the Lord about the end times. Turn with me to Luke chapter 21, please. We're just sailing through this. You know, I'm just laying a foundation and we'll, we'll giddy up. Chapter 21 of Luke. 
you really ought to listen to Joe from Sunday night, uh, Friday night. It was really, it was really good, and he covers so much of this, but we have to cover it anyway because of, uh, because of broadcast, if nothing else. But even some of us weren't there. So Isaiah, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter twenty-one, verse twenty-four. Now, one thing we know that is that the Lord hid the rapture from. The Jews. They could not understand it. They had no context for the church. They didn't understand the church. That was a surprise. He could not reveal that in the Gospels, and he did not reveal the rapture. But he did talk about the second coming, which is interesting because a lot of them, the Jews, would not believe or take hold of the first coming. So, you know, they say that when Jesus comes back, he's going to, the Jews are going to ask him, uh, have you been here before or is this your first time? Yeah, have you been here before? So verse 24 says, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword. So it's talking about the Jews in Jerusalem. And shall be led away captive into all the nations. That happened in 70 AD and it's historically noted. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles of the nations until the time of the nations or Gentiles be fulfilled. Well, that did happen. So that's when Jerusalem went out of business. The Jews lost their, their, their city in 70 AD. And uh, they lost it all. They didn't get it back. Does anybody know when they got it back? The Six Day War. Yes, yes ma'am. That would be on June 5th to June 10th. 1967. Do y'all remember it? I remember it happening. I wasn't very old, but I was, I was 14, so I remember that happening, and it was a big deal even in my uh, family. And so I looked it up. Israel defeated Egypt, Jordan, and Syria. They had there was three armies coming at them, and they were coming in every way. And then they they went from their little place that they occupied, they took over, they won back the Sinai Peninsula, which is what they're fussing about now, part of it, the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, East Jerusalem, and the Golan Heights. They won that back in 1967. And the, and the victory was so decisive. I ordered it. I don't know. Does anybody have that uh, video against all odds? Oh, I will get, I've got it coming and I will loan it to all of you. It is a marvelous thing about how, what happened in that five day, uh, six days, excuse me, six days. It's just amazing. And it's not like the Jews were all in their synagogues calling on God. There's not, it's not like they were all, it's pretty secular over there. But the Lord keeps his deal with Abraham and he doesn't really have to have much Agreement from the, the present staff there. But the, the, the victory was so decisive that the U.S., I read this, had to step in and negotiate a ceasefire or Russia was going to get involved. And they didn't want Russia. Like right now, they don't want Russia coming in. So they, uh, they, they moved in there. Israel quadrupled its property. It gained four times as much as it had. And the thing is, they won it decisively. Actually, the U.S. pulled the bad dog off of these people or they were going to take them completely down. I mean, it was just going so good. It's like, let's just go ahead and annihilate them and take care of it. So, uh, uh, but now the Palestinians want it back. If you want to know what the fuss is, it's like, well, that was ours and we, that is ours and, and you took it away from us. Yeah, after they attacked, and it was amazing. So literally, the Six-Day War transformed Israel from being a barely-there survival, get-along nation uh, that was surviving, just fighting for their survival, made them a regional power. Matter of fact, I, I wrote it down what the, the definition said. They became an occupier, a demonstrator in world business, and a regional powerhouse. 
If you want to be impressed, go look up the Nobel Peace Prize or the Nobel Prize, excuse me, all the prizes and go back to 1948 and look at all the ones that Israel has won, that men and women from Israel have won. And then look at all the ones that the Palestinians have won. Nasser Arafat got a peace prize. And that's the only one they got if, if nothing's changed. I mean, that's all they got. And the Jews have just got gazillions of them. Israel does. Boy, God likes them. They're an ornery little bunch. But boy, he likes them. So it goes back to history. There's no doubt that generational curses... They're not passed down, but they're passed down culturally. If your grandparents were poor and your daddy fell in with grandpa and said, we'll be just like him. And then you fell in with daddy and was just like him. And junior comes up. You're going to have something passed down that just says we're, we've always been poor and we, we don't mind it. That's passed down. But if you get blessings, you get somebody in your family that says, bless God. Jesus is our rock and we're not putting up with lack, little necessity, uh, excuse me, shortage or need. That thing's passed down. The Bible says that uh, uh, the that the Old Testament, their curses when someone was cursed would be cursed to the third and fourth generation. But it says that the blessings went to a thousand generations. <laughs> Y'all it's so stacked against everybody else for us. Verse 24 in the Passion says, Jerusalem shall be trampled down by nations until the day of world empires comes to an end. I thought that was interesting. Uh, verse 25, let's, let's move on here so we'll get through this. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Y'all know all this has already come to pass. It's earthquakes, earthquakes. I was reading about Oklahoma, the most earthquake prone state in the union. And uh, they have them. They have them like people eat breakfast just every day, uh, all the time. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. It's talking about the second coming, isn't it? Because there's no rapture here. There's no rapture in the gospel. So if you wonder, who's this talking about? It's always the second coming. There's no rapture in the gospel. No rapture in the gospel. So everybody that points you to, to the gospels to prove their rapture theory, pre, mid, or post, they don't have a basis out of the gospel. He did not talk to the Jews about the church and he didn't talk to the Jews about the rapture. And as it goes on, and when these things become, begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. And he spoke to them, spake unto them a parable, behold the fig tree and all the trees. So he's talking there, we know about Israel and all the nations around Israel. When they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So that'd be like harvest. So likewise, ye, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. We get it. If the fig tree can be tied to Israel then we get what he's saying. And it can be, it's, it's there. Uh, then he says, this generation shall not pass away. What generation is that? It's the generation that sees Israel made a nation, 1948, and Jerusalem won back, 1967. Now the question that always comes up, it always comes up, well, how long is the generation? And, you know, you get the bookies that come out and say it's this and it's that. And there's, there's some good scholarship on that. It's 40 years. It's 60 years. It's 80 years. Let me just tell you how I I'm going to live it. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. I'm going to supersede that. I'm going to be here for the rapture. Now, just set your faith however you want to go. 
I talked to someone yesterday and said, well, Jesus is coming soon, mother. <laughs> she said, I got to go fix supper. I got to go see what she's fixing in there. I said, well, Jesus is coming back soon, mother. She said, well, you, your daddy and me will be gone. I said, well, it could happen in the morning. It could happen next week. It, what, what do you mean? Are you going to be here next year? Well, yeah. I said, well, you may be here for the rapture. Well, I got to go check on supper. Bye. <laughs> it's the funniest thing I ever heard. I, is, yeah, you know how family are. It's like, I don't want to talk about end times. I don't want to talk about being raptured. I just want to get, I don't want to miss my funeral. This is what it said to me. I don't want to miss my funeral. Well, everybody comes up and said, oh, wasn't she good? Wasn't she, didn't she live strong? Didn't she raise them right? Didn't she, wasn't she good? You'd just be amazed. I know my father-in-law, he said, uh, he all said all those years, he said, don't, I don't want no fuss over me. Just throw me in the Dempsey dumpster. Y'all know what that is? It's just a dumpster. It's, he said, just throw me in the Dempsey dumpster and drive off and, and go eat supper and not think nothing back. Well, after he departed, they gave us the list of all the things that he wanted. This song, that song, sing it in this key and sing it in that key. And uh, we want this to do that. And one thing he put in there and said, don't let my son-in-law preach long. So I got up there and I said, I'm fixing to preach y'all a good long one. Hallelujah. It'll be my last hurrah. Hallelujah. But here we, we need to solve this a little bit uh, 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 about... Uh, uh, God getting Israel back. The tribulation is for the Jews. Y'all, it's not for us. We're not going to be here. And the Gentiles, they're, they're already, they're mocking God. But the Jews, they, they, just, they just can't get it straight. They just can't get the times and the epics right. And we need to just say it before we go tonight. The Old Testament and the New Testament are different. In the Old Testament, God was in control. He was in control. He, he did everything and he could because all authority was given to him and he was in control. So he moved stuff around. He caused things to happen. He, he didn't do everything. Otherwise, he'd have just set it up. You know, the Bible says in Genesis 19 that he he picked out Abraham because he would he would. Uh, He would what? Yeah, he'd raise his children after the word. After So he, he found a man. So he wasn't just doing everything. It wasn't like, well, I don't need anybody. I'll just get a dummy and just do it what I want to. So he worked with people, but he did a lot by, on his own. But when the new birth came, he, Jesus handed it over. And so you, you go to the Holocaust, for instance. And we get mad at certain people because of the Holocaust and, and, and their leaders and stuff. But I want to tell you all tonight, it was the church's fault because we had the authority. Well, why didn't God save his people? Because God didn't have the authority. The stick had been handled, handed over to the church. And the church sat, sat down and said, we, we, we don't know what to do. And I'll tell you, it, since I'm just on that, and I am on that, that, that the troubles in the world right now, we would love to complain. And we'd have a basis for complaining about the, the worldliness and, the, and the, where it's going with the homosexual agenda and the, the uh, equity, the, the, the stuff, the DEI and whatever. And uh, what, what else I write down here uh, about crime? We would like to say... Somebody do something, but you're usually talking border issues. You're usually talking about people that are not born again. So you go, well, they're leaders and we elected them and do your job and they should. But a lot of what we elect is a conscience job. It's not a, a robotic thing where you just plug in certain cards and it works this way. The president makes decisions that affect all of us. Our governor makes decision that affects all of us. Well, yeah, the, the mayor decides things unilaterally and, it, and we have to go along with it because it's got to be done one way or the other. But the church is in charge and all the troubles in the world right now, y'all, save this till the end. Start the car back. 
is because of the church. We've been splintered and, and schismed and divided and, and denominationed and then and then then denomination split and, and there's no unity in the church because everybody wants to be their thing. So the Holocaust happened. Actually, Germany prospered after the Holocaust. I mean, we're mad at God. A lot of people were mad at God because he let the Holocaust happen. Six was it six million Jews? It was a whole bunch of folks that were just just victimized. And yet Germany prospered by their slavery and their servitude and uh, and uh, did, didn't suffer at all for that. You go, this isn't fair. And this is what the world has trouble with. They look at our God and say, what's up? You, you didn't do anything in the time of need. And there's lots of things that they point to that they say this. Your God isn't fair. But it's not him. We, we wish he'd take charge in some ways. But during the tribulation, made the round to go back to that. In the tribulation, the church is going to be gone. Because the tribulation happens after the rapture. And all the Holy Ghost is in us. He's not in the tree stump. He's not in the left front tire. He, he's all in all of us. And when we go, and we will go, he goes with us. And so there is no Holy Ghost on the earth to speak like that. And besides, we'll get into it another time, but the Lord owes the Jews one more week. He owes them seven years. And he's in charge again. There's no, the grace era that we're in right now, oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. We're in a grace dispensation. And people think this is the way it's always been and it's the way it's always going to be. You know, we're, Jesus bore what should be coming to you and I. He took it. But when we're gone, the deal's done. The contract's been finalized. And we're out of here and he deals with the world, the Jews, from a place of power and authority. Because there's none of us commanding and routing and that sort of thing. So the Jews, praise God, the Lord's there, but they're going to go through old Billy because he loves them so much. They just won't see it in the word and they just won't believe the Christians. And so they just don't believe. They're so proud of their heritage. The Lord's doing radical things in the earth. He's doing radical things. He's there. For all the worldliness in the church, there is. There's always a remnant that isn't. There's always a remnant that says, I'm going to stand for the things of God and I'm going to speak. And I tell you, when we decree a thing, the Bible says it's established unto us. And it doesn't matter that there's 99,000 that don't decree a thing or decree something else. My voice is significant. Your voice is significant. And it does, it's not by plurality. It's not by majority. It's not by the more of us has got more than you. It's what we speak that's truth. And the Lord hastens over his word to perform it. And we are changing things with uh, no matter how we are, we are changing things. So we don't care if it's stacked against it. It always has been. Uh, yeah. Isn't Jesus wonderful? So what I want to present in this thing as we go a few more weeks, I want to present the order and the mercy and the grace and the goodness of God that he's got a plan. This thing isn't just racing down the road. And we would think it was. If you look at our government and look at the society and the culture as a whole, you'd go, where is this thing going? It can't go this way much more without running off the wheels, running off the rails. There's an answer. And so since we know the answer, we know the answer. I know the answer. Do y'all know the answer? Jesus is coming. And it won't be too late. He won't miss his appointment. He won't miss his timing. It'll be just right. And we can bear it until then. I, I like that amen, but I'd like to have another one. We can bear it until then. Because we're people. We're people of the spirit. We, he's in us. 
I mean, with my word, it's not me anyway. And so we could stand. Not only are we standing, but we know our God and we're doing exploits. So get ready. We know the end. We know how it turns out. So we're not afraid of what they do. We're not afraid of President Hootie Lou, what he does or doesn't do. It's just like, can you do a crazier thing than that? Can you do something that's more wild-eyed than that? No, no, I can't think of it. And then tomorrow he said, yeah, I can. And he'll do it. We don't care. Y'all, if you don't pray, you can't say. So we just pray. We pray out the prayer and we do we do our part. We, we keep stuff as lined up as we can with our, with our prayers. And then we just cruise. We just go out and win the lost. The darker it gets out there, the brighter you're shining. You lay hands on the sick and bless God, they're coming up. You lay hands on the sick and bless God, they're coming up. They're coming up. And that's what this is all about. Amen. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we win. We had already won. We're winning and that we will win. Lord, it's just always uh, we're on top. Thank you, Lord, for wisdom at River Church to know what to do. You said we'd know what to do this year. Amazing plans, s s not schemes, but blueprints and, and stra strategies are coming into us. Lord, we believe we receive. What nobody has known, what we haven't known, suddenly becoming reality in our heart. And we know what to do. Not only does it cause us to escape the onerous thing of this culture, but Lord, we dominated. We dominate. I'm dominating. My life, I'm dominating. We're dominating in our money. We're dominating in our bodies. In Jesus' name. Put your hand on your body right now. In Jesus' name. We speak life to this flesh. Flesh, you are just flesh, and you will obey me as I spake to you. And I say to my body, be healed and be made whole in Jesus' name. And we don't put up with this world's crud, this sickness and disease and pain. We say no, and, and little things that are bothering, little, little uh, uh, stuff that uh, is chronic, no. We say no to the chronic, the thing that's just been there for years. We say no in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, that's how it is, and it won't be different. Right. Amen. Amen. Amen.